They don't understand, they don't understand I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam And we gon' serve the one that's from up above And they gon' know it's us by the way we love All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water Family, family, family Christ died one time for my Welcome to Reformed Dads, where all things are for dads, through dads, and to dads. I'm your man, Dusty Marshall. I'm a Christian husband, father, hip-hop artist, and co-founder of Irregular for Christ Ministries. As always, I got my man with me, Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. What's going on, brother? What's happening, man? How are you? You've been busy lately. I I have. I've been... I worked about 80 hours last week with uh, ministry and some side projects that I'm helping out on. And, uh, man, I, I've been out of the office for about two weeks. So I'm just kind of like, what's going on? My equipment's not working. Nothing's right. going as planned. My computer needs updates and stuff. It's like, where have you been, sir? We have already <laughs> exactly. updated past what you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, no, that's good. I'm glad you're, you know, you're getting family time and ministry time and stuff like that. It's good to see, been seeing a lot of the videos that have been popping up of the trainings for, um, you know, abortion ministry and stuff like that. So it's cool to, to see God is, you know, he's got you busy, but he's using you. It's really cool. Yeah. And I hope those videos, uh, continue to go out and encourage people, man. I spent, uh, you know, time out in Utah when I actually did those at mission church and, uh, they did such a good job recording them and getting audio. I'm like, hey, I'm gonna have to get get these out there. So, so yeah, um, I haven't been at the to the mill in a couple of weeks, and I'm feeling that. But I'm gonna get back in it tomorrow. I'm excited about, well, as excited as you can be <laughs> about going to a death camp and pleading for the right. lives of innocent children, and potentially getting sour milk thrown on you. Yeah, tell me about. That's tell us about that. Tell us that good fun story. <laughs> For those so, who yeah, want to the, get involved in the ministry, <laughs> here's what you yeah, have to look if, forward to. If, if you're looking forward to getting involved in abortion mill ministry, uh, Friday uh, morning, um, just around 11 o'clock out at the Planned Parenthood in Salt Lake City, had a, a couple of people pull up in a little white minivan. They had taken their license plates off and you know, disguise the vehicle as much as possible. And the lady jumped out of the passenger seat with a gallon bucket of uh, what I can only assume, I hope, was just sour milk. And she tossed it at us and used a few uh, four-letter words and told us to leave people alone, which is (laughs) just ridiculous in and of itself as she's throwing sour milk on people who are just offering help and resources to women who are abortion-minded. And preaching the gospel. And then they jumped in the car and drove off. And so, yeah, it was, uh, it was the first assault I've actually been involved in, in the ministry since I started. Um, I mean, we've had a lot where, you know, in the afternoons, it seems to be more active out there with people who are very angry with us for yeah. whatever reason. She should have and, yelled, uh, I christened thee as she drove by. <laughs> right, Welcome to the a, ministry. Drive by, you know, drive by baptism by sour milk there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything uh, else. You know, it's uh, hypocrisy. It's leave people alone. Well, why don't you leave me alone? You know, it's, it's, 
people are, their arguments are just deteriorating as they show up there. <laughs> you leave right. these women alone who are killing their innocent children. Here's some sour milk I'm going to throw at exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy, man, because again, I, I've, I've adopted just the phrase while I'm there because we get a lot of the other businesses that are in the building that are angry at us and come out and they tell us we're losing business because of you. And, and, and I'm like, have you looked at the real reason why you're losing business? They're murdering babies in the basement. Yeah. So that's, that's become my tagline for uh, like just constantly. I say it probably about 15 times in the two and a half hours that I'm out there on a Friday morning. Just the fact that they are murdering babies in the basement. Why are you angry at us? Right. When they're murdering babies in the basement. Yeah. It, it makes no sense. Well, here's the thing. And we're going to get into conversation on idolatry a little bit uh, pertaining to addiction. But let's talk about the idol of the age, which is uh, pretend peace. The fake idol of today is pretend peace. And what I'm talking about is... You don't disturb people's lives. What they're doing is what they're doing. And I should just be okay with that. Leave them alone in whatever they're doing. But as soon as I enter in and contend with the things that they're doing or call them to a standard, well, then it becomes a problem. So there is a idol out there that's called comfort and pretend peace, which says that abortion is okay, that killing your children is okay, because that's the decision that they're making with their body. But, right. but I'm called as a Christian to disturb their peace, their shalom, their comfort, and that is what the problem is. And you see it like you, 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 you didn't tell this part of the story, but you called the police and they never showed up. Well, right, exactly. you calling the police to do something, you were disturbing their peace in what they were doing, right? So, so right. Everybody, is, everybody is operating, not everyone, but people are operating under the assumption of, I want to do as minimal as possible uh, so that I'm, I have a comfortable day, that I don't have to deal with um, issues, uh, and that has become their God. Right, exactly. Exactly. Prosperity. It's, it's a prosperity gospel without the gospel. Right. Right. Exactly. It's, it's just, they do as, and that's the, the, the idea of as long as we don't see what they're doing, we're not going to concern ourselves with what they're doing. Sure. But the fact that we come out there and we put a face to it and we put a voice to it now, Again, it's that that whole issue of the pretend peace. And even though there is no peace, right. I mean, literally, they're murdering babies in the basement. Right. There, there's no peace there, but they can put that out of their mind until we show up and give it a voice. Yep. And that's that's where the problem lies. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, so what I wanted to discuss with you today was um, idolatry as it pertains to uh, addiction. Um, you know, I've been involved. I come from an addiction background. Uh, I've been 
involved in, you know, addiction ministry of some kind for going on about 11, 10 or 11 years now. Um, and that was something that early on when I was, uh, going through, um, you know, my own issues and coming out and God was, uh, removing that idol from me that I wanted to, uh, help others in similar situation. I wanted to, you know, I was still young at the time I was in my twenties and, um, I saw a lot of people in their twenties still, thinking that there's enjoyment to the lifestyle that they were living in, you know, drugs, alcohol, promiscuity, all of these things, that there was still like a sense of enjoyment in it. Um, and they hadn't yet uh, reached the consequences uh, that addiction brings, even though they did, they didn't realize those, um, which a lot of the, if, you, if you're in recovery ministry, you see a lot of older people there because their addiction, uh, it's taken some time for the destruction of their addiction to build up and it's destroyed their family. It's taken away everything they have. Um, and a lot of the times you see a lot of older people like, I'm tired of the, living this way, you know, but I didn't see a lot of younger people um, in recovery and it was possibly just where I was at, but I wanted to give back to that um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about, uh, the idol, uh, the idol factory that the heart makes and that right. brings people to addiction. Exactly. So yeah, uh, just thinking about addiction, Ivy Connerly put out an album years ago. It was actually the first album of his that I, um, interacted with and he had, the album was the unknown God and he had, uh, some clips of Bodie Balcom on there talking about idolatry. And Bodie gave the, the definition of idolatry of um, giving, to, giving to something other than God, the worship that belongs to God alone, and seeking to gain from something other than God the blessings that can come from God alone. And so, so much of our addiction, what we see is literally people trying to go to these other things to receive some kind of blessing that only God can truly give. Um, whether that's through, you know, the euphoric effects of, of drugs or the, the, the pleasure of pornography for the moment, or, I mean, whatever it is that, the, the uh, you know, the love of money, any of those things becoming, you know, where we're seeking to gain what, what God wants to give us, whether it's our, you know, salvation or just any kind of other blessing, we're trying to seek it from something else when truly it should be coming from God. And that was always a, a really good definition for me of, of what addiction is. That's um, great. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, um, great description of it and a great example. And you know, when we say, like you said, when we're talking about idols, things that you're worshiping and that worship is supposed to go to God, I'm not saying that a specific drug is the idol. The idol is self and the, self. the, and, and the drug is used to feed self, right? The idol right. does something for us. You know, back in the Old Testament, it was 
you know, gods of prosperity. They would bring us good crops. It's always, let's make up this idol in our hearts to bring us prosperity of some kind to benefit us. Well, what happens in addiction is we are making up this idol that makes us feel welcome, that makes us feel comfortable, that makes us feel part of the crowd or, you know, maybe it's uh, something that we just tried at once, but we want to fit in with these people. We want to feel loved or maybe we do have, you know, a a propensity to some kind of sin and we willfully uh, give ourselves over to it. But whatever it is, the thing that we're using is really feeding the idol of self um, and it's right. making us feel a certain way or what, but, but the idol, the idol that needs to be put to death is the idol of self. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, <sighs> trying to, to, to think of, you know, the, where I've experienced addiction in my past. And so, you know, where I, look at it. I mean, it's coming from, I was horribly addicted to pornography for years and, uh, and I would, I would make excuses even after I got saved for, for years, you know, of, well, it's, you know, it's the, you know, it's the addiction and, and what you're saying, I would blame the, uh, the tool Instead of what you're telling, what you're saying is instead of looking at my own heart as where the idol is, as that was the idol, myself, my body, my pleasure, I was looking at, oh, well, I've created this idol as pornography. And what, and the reality is, is that was just the tool that was being used to worship the true idol, which was me. Right. And, and my pleasure and my desires and, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's interesting once you can, once you can really truly identify what it is, how easy, because so many times, I mean, we just like with, with anything in, in the world and in society, you know, so many times we try to just, you know, take care of the symptoms instead of actually going after the real disease. Sure. Does that make sense? It is. And it's, it, we should, though, definitely make a distinction of it's, it, there's, there's this idea, and I think this has been fed into us so much that it is a disease, but it's not. It's not a disease. It's a spiritual problem, right? right. A disease is something that you try and treat but never goes away, right? That is what a disease is. Disease is something that you treat with medicine and it's there and you you cover it up. The problem is that if you just treat, if you look at addiction as a disease, um, then you're not looking at, you're looking at the problem being something else, right? right. Something else is the cause of this. Something else, Something outside of my control is the cause of this. And that's not the truth of it. The problem is internal. The problem is a sin nature. The problem is a self gratification and idolatry. So it's we should definitely make a distinction and tell people it's not a disease. It's not. Uh, it's it, you may have a propensity to something. However, right. 
That propensity is not to blame for the choices that you have made in going exactly. to that. And But the good news is, because it's not a disease, because it's not something that you merely treat and cover up for a while and then it eventually comes back, well, there, there is a spiritual solution to this and you can be set free from it, right? It's like if, there, if we're born into sin, even though we're, that's out of our control because we're under Adam, well, the good news to that is there is one who can free us from that by being under Christ, it's the same thing with addiction. If you have a propensity to an addiction and, and you think I'm trapped by this, there's nothing I can do but continue to go to endless amounts of meetings uh, and it's never going to go away, well, that's a lie. The truth is there right. is a spiritual freedom that we do not live according to the flesh but the spirit and that Jesus can take that from us and we can be set free from it. Amen. Yeah, and... I think back um, when I was in the military and I had some issues with alcohol and stuff like that, I was always struck. I went to a couple of AA meetings and the whole issue where they talked about the higher power and I wasn't even saved at the time, um, but they would talk about higher powers. And I remember one guy talking about, you know, you can make whatever you want to be your higher power. And he said he made the whiskey bottle was his higher power because the whiskey bottle could hold the whiskey and not get drunk and not have a problem. And, and I always thought, I'm like, this is such a weird way to try to, to solve. And even at that point in time, I knew there is a spiritual problem here. You know, I was being fed the lie that it's a disease. And I'm like, well, if it's a disease then you can you can get medicine for it. And it really is. It comes down to the fact that, you know, you can't just go to some meetings and and pretend that whatever you make as your higher power is going to be something that's going to deliver you from this. There's a reality of we are sinning and we need a savior. And the only thing, again, coming back to that, that thing, how Vodi put it, the only thing that can set us free from that idolatry is Christ. The only thing that can set us free from that idolatry is repentance and faith in the only one who can literally deliver us from the idol of self. The only one that can truly, you know, remove that heart of stone, replace it with the heart of flesh and say, you know, now I want to serve him and not myself. Right. And, and, the idol of self-gratification doesn't necessarily look like a particular drug, right? For those who, who right. don't have a spiritual pro, like they don't see the spiritual problem, they just think they need to just stop using. Um, the problem is the self-gratification and idolatry usually just transfers itself over to another thing, right? It's right. Whether it be, you know, I stopped drinking, now I just smoke weed. Uh, I, you know, I stopped smoking weed and, uh, now I'm like taking so many supplements, like my blood pressures, like the idolatry right. just gets transferred into a new method of self gratification. It exactly. doesn't matter. It's not, there's no freedom 
in just not drinking alcohol. Okay. Right. The problem is the adult, the self worship that is going on there. And obviously I would, you know, I would always tell people, yeah, stop drinking. Let's start there, right? Let's, let's start there. Let's get the alcohol out of your system. Let's get the drugs out of your system, but be under the understanding that there is only freedom from this true freedom in Christ, because it's a spiritual problem. It's sin, the sin of idolatry, worshiping the God of self. And to put that you have to constantly be putting that to death, that idol to death. And then that's, that's constant. And the only freedom that you can have from that idol is in Christ. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I, I, I when I quit smoking, I developed a horrible licorice addiction <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and I was like, I, I think I need to start smoking again to, so I can stop eating licorice. I literally traded my high blood pressure and so on for diabetes, Oof. but yeah. it, it is, it, you're, you're right there. It's always something, you know, it's that again. And, and I, I fall into just like the, the, the buzzwords of the secular side of trying to deal with this. And, you know, but I always think of the addictive personality and I definitely have one of those, you know, it's like, if I'm not like, doing something and just absolutely pouring myself into it. It's why, you know, apps on my phone are, are just horrible because <laughs> yeah. they're all just time killers. Right. You know, it's like, and I'll, I'll like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta quit playing uh, words with friends as much on my phone. So I'm going to download chess <laughs> and now I just play chess 12 hours, of, you know, and it's, it's that kind of mentality of I can find something to replace it. Physical, you know, worldly when the only solution is outside of what the world can provide. Right. Yeah, no, it's good, man. And, and, you know, I, I would, I would tell someone too, you know, like, uh, you know, someone who is drinking for instance, or using drugs, I would say absolutely remove yourself somehow from this and replace it with yes. something good. However, the walls that we need, we need to build walls uh, around that old addiction uh, that so we don't go back to it. But we don't build those walls with, uh, like you said, licorice with um, soda, you, you know, like those aren't right. the walls that you want to build uh, between you and the idol, the, the walls that you want to build, uh, you want to be healthy things, you know, going right. to your scripture, being around other brothers in Christ, being discipled, praying, um, serving, um, di different, different things. There are, you know, I, I would say like, yeah, um, get, pick a hobby. And if that helps you, you know what I mean? Right. Pick, pick something, right. start build erecting positive, uh, positive trains of thinking or, or positive habits um, to build around that. But I would never tell someone like, Hey, uh, just, just pick up a hobby and replace it with that. Right. You know, that, right. that's the problem. Yeah. It, it, like you said, the, the walls around that need to be built up, need to be spiritual walls. They need to be, you know, faith-based walls. And, you know, like you're saying, being discipled, being with brothers, 
getting involved in some kind of ministry. Um, you know, I used to say that one of the easiest, one of the best ways to, to fight, you know, your own idols is to actively work against those idols. Yes. So like for a period of time, we were um, doing in Colorado, we were doing a ministry where I was sitting across the street from the strip club uh, with a six foot cross and a guitar and just playing worship music and worshiping God across the street from the strip club. And it was one of the periods of times where I didn't struggle nearly as much with pornography as I had at other times because I was like actively warring against that. And then again, you have to be wise. I would never tell somebody who's an alcoholic, well, go to the bars and minister to the other alcoholics. Right. right. You know, yes. be wise in what you're doing. You know, um, you know, put yourself, I had to, when we first started doing this, the ministry at the strip club, I was directly across from the door and realized I had to move down a little ways because the girls were coming to the door and making themselves yeah. available. Right. Yes. And yeah. so I'm like, yeah, I can't sit here. We have to move away. So at least, you know, then if they were to try to come and assault us with our eyes, they had to actually leave the club and then they could be, you know, yes. in trouble of indecent exposure, but they would come stand right by mm -hmm. the doorway. So you have to be wise in that, but getting involved in, in ministries to help others like you did. I mean, for 11 years, you've been working with and, and ministering to those who, who are addicted and God is using that you know, you're, you're, you're fighting against your idols through the power of Christ. Yes. And you're constantly being reminded what you don't want to go back to. Exactly. You know, um, one of the, the kind of visuals I like to give is, you know, the people of Israel in the old Testament, uh, as they were, the Exodus is taking place and Moses is leading them. Um, and you know, Moses raises his hands to God and God parts the sea, you know, Christ uh, being our bridge, you know, to God, the actual bridge or the dry land, making a way where there is no way. But what God did when they crossed over is he closed that water back because he knew that he, they would go back. Right. They would go right. back to the light, the 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 food that they were given they would go back to the lifestyle because they were afraid of the path ahead they were afraid of the freedom the promise ahead because they they had never walked that path they had been in bondage for this long period of time so god closes that and there is a way that we can co-labor with god to to close that or build those walls back up and i would say one of the main things is you need to cut off all those friends that you used to live with, right? Or that you used right. to party with. Um, bad company corrupts good morals. That is step one in erecting these walls. You got to cut off these old unhealthy relationships quickly yeah. and not let them linger around because you love those people for a Maybe at some point, if you know it's a family member or something, but in the midst of it, you're not ready for that, you right. know. Absolutely. Shut that Absolutely. down. <laughs> yeah, you've got to, and like you say, you've got to replace those friends that 
with the 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 bad morals that corrupts good character um you know you want to replace that with with men who are going to disciple you men who are going to hold you accountable yes um and who are going to walk that path with you yes you know and and again it's it's having your your Caleb's and your Joshua's who are are willing to hold your hands up when when it gets hard you know that are willing to help you hold um hold that line yeah. and and keep those walls up yes i mean that like you said discipleship uh fellowship with the right people being in the right body counseling from your pastors you know just tools to put in your toolbox to erect these walls to keep you from going back to right. the old lifestyle right there's Amen. there's freedom in Christ and, and then there's sanctification going forward um something to to point out as well is you know for those who are struggling with drug addiction or alcohol addiction you know there is a chemical dependency there that that needs to be uh, removed. You know, there there is a like a a dependency. Once the, the the idolatry gets a hold of you, and then your body gives itself. You know, you're used to having right. whatever in your system. There is a time in which there's a need for detox, and for some people, I do truly believe that there's a medical need um, when the the dependency is so high that your body would shut possibly shut down, you know? Right. So, so I do believe that there's a, a, um, there's a physical hold there in initially, um, that some people need the help of a doctor to get off of, but it wouldn't be <laughs> it for, let me just say, I don't think it would be getting on another drug long term to help you get off of these other drugs that you are on long-term. Right. That's just replacement. Exactly. Exactly. I remember being a medic in, I think it was in Washington state that we had a guy that, that was being treated for one thing, but he was also detoxing. And so he was so much of an alcoholic that they actually had to put beer in our medical fridge to give him one every so often because otherwise the the physical um reliance upon alcohol that his body had developed he would just completely shut down wow but and so i mean just you know again this is the enemy works in such a way that he gets us you know we get spiritually attached to something and then we do develop that physical attachment to it yes and Again, I mean, by the grace of God, we have, you know, doctors who can help and, and preferably, hopefully you're, you're coming across Christian doctors who are willing to put both aspects of that, the medical and the faith thing that are needed for that to come together. But you're right. I mean, there are many times when there is an actual physical reliance and, and, medicine has to be used but yes you know re just replacing one drug with another um i mean i don't know how many people i've i've dealt with over the years that um you know methadone okay so yeah. you just replaced heroin with methadone right you're still addicted it's right. not 
you, you've, you've, you haven't done anything to, to fix it. Right. You've just replaced it. Yeah. And, you know, recommendation I would give is, hey, if you're going to take something to get off something else, have your pastor go to your pastor or somebody underneath your pastor who's under the oversight of him and be accountable for what you're taking and how often and have a plan of, okay, I'm going to use this, obviously, so my body's uh, not going to shut down on me. But this is my plan to get off of it within the next few weeks or months or whatever that is. It, it, there, there, there's a, a doctor to deal with the physical and then there's a pastor, uh, you know, spiritual counselor to give you, uh, the spiritual side of it. So, Absolutely. so don't think that you can have it in your hands and can control it yourself. Um, that, that is what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to think that, oh, you got this. I'm going to just take this medication and you know what, it's going to help me get off of this. And then things are just going to be great. No, it's like there is a reason that God has put us in community. There's a reason he's put pastors over us. There's a reason um, for brothers to do life together. And that is one of them because we will deceive ourselves to thinking that we can, can take, we can take control of our own recovery, um, of our own putting to death of these, these idols, but we've lived under these idols for so long. Many of us don't know how to live life apart from these idols. Right. So for, for instance, for me, you know, just speaking of my own testimony, um, you know, I was addicted to a lot of prescription pills and I was in a life of debauchery and crime. And I had lived that way for, you know, 11 years. And, um, I didn't uh, know what life was like on the other side of that. I didn't know what life, even as a Christian, was coming to faith in Christ. Um, And I needed uh, people to guide me, to show me, and to give me the example of what the Christian walk was (laughs) so that I could put to death the old self, put to death the old lifestyle you know, and, and walk in that newness, walk in that new creation. Cause I was definitely a believer, but okay, now how do I walk out my faith? And that's where discipleship comes in. That's where oversight of pastors comes in. Right. Right. We, we need to have somebody that, that is there to mentor us and help us to walk through. And I mean, cause <laughs> Again, we, we can't lean on our own understanding, right? It's right. Proverbs, you know, and so we can't we can't trust in ourselves to do this because we'll do what you know Israel did: take us back, put us back in Egypt, put us back in in the oppressive situation that we were in because it's what is comfortable right. to us, what we know, and the fear of the unknown. Um, you know, even though if, if there's the promise of you know, eternity and salvation and, and goodness from a good God, we find ourselves so often when we're, when we're just relying on ourselves that we just want to go back to what is comfortable. I mean, even Peter, you know, and I mean, it wasn't a sinful thing, but when, when Christ died and when, when he had denied him three times, what did Peter do? He went back to what was comfortable. He immediately went back to being a fisherman. Right. You know, right. even though Jesus had said, you know, leave this behind, you're, I'm making you fishers of men. And, and 
that was immediately what he did. You know, the, the hardships come and immediately we go back to what is comfortable. And unfortunately for a lot of us, what is comfortable is a, some kind of a sinful addiction. But when we have men around us, when we have pastors and counselors and, and so on around us that can walk with us, it, it is, it's, you know, we find our way to that new path and, I'm, I'm, and the you know, old I'm, path becomes overgrown and it's no longer the comfortable thing. Yes. You know? I'm, I'm glad you said that too, about Peter going back because, you know, I, I, being in recovery ministry for a while, I've seen some of the, um, the problems, even in Christian recovery, uh, groups where, you know, it almost seems like Christ died just so people could get sober and that's the end of it. You know, Christ died to set me free from my addiction and now I'm free from my addiction and now I'm just got to make sure I hit these meetings every day. You know, I got to make sure that I hit these meetings every week because that is the method that is keeping me sober. But Christ saved us for a purpose. If you have been called by God, you are one of his elect. Your life is no longer your own. It's not about you being sober anymore. It's about using the redemption and giving God the glory and using that to give back to others. God saved saved you for his purposes, not just he didn't die on the cross for you to get sober. That's that's a right. that's a heart change that he gives you when he regenerates you and gives you a new heart. But that's just the beginning. That's the start of it. And the calling is to take up your cross and follow him, die to self Amen. to follow him and to go and make disciples. And if you have a background in addiction, if that's where you come from, well, then maybe God has called you to go to other addicts and to share what God has done in your life to serve and to help them. That's what he did for me. I come from that background and that background. And this is what's great about the, the, a life of faith and, and, and believing that my hardships were for a purpose for God's purposes. My hardships in the past, my addictions from the past were not just something that happened God gave me those things. Those things happened. God allowed them in my life because he had a purpose for them going forward for me to help others, to have a passion for people struggling with addiction, idolatry in that, in that sense. Right. Yeah. Pastor Brian preached yesterday on Matthew eight. And one of the three miracles that, that is talked about in there is Jesus goes and he heals Peter's mother-in-law of her, the fever that she had. And it says he healed her of her fever and immediately she got up and served him. Mm, yes. And that's, again, we're, we're saved for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. But there is a, an aspect of our salvation that we are saved to do these things. Yes. You know, it's what you're saying. We're not just, you know, Peter didn't heal her of her fever and go, oh, well, you know, you, you've had a hard day. Just sit down. No, she got up and she said, I want to serve you. You have done this for me. I want to serve you. And 
you know, and give, I mean, she served him and the people that were there. And, and so as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of that. And then this, you know, the stories that we hear about Mary and Martha of Bethany Mm. and how so many people are like, well, you can just be a Mary and you can just sit or you shouldn't, you know, but it's like, they're a contrasting in, I would say that, I mean, they're real people and it's a real historical account of people who existed. But as we look at that and we draw principles out, we can see that, you know, there is a time that we sit under the ministry of Christ and under the ministry of those who are his under shepherds, but it's also a ministry of doing. It is a ministry of good works that we are saved to do. Mary and Martha aren't an either or, they're an and both. Right. You know, we should be engaging in both of these situations. When when we are saved, when God has delivered you from whatever addiction it is that you are being delivered from, we need to be under the 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 discipline and the discipling of solid Christian men. And then we need to be going out and doing the works that Christ has saved us to do. Amen. And putting those two things together, again, those are the walls that we build around our addiction so that we don't go back to it. Right. We put those things up. And again, it's like, as I'm thinking of of my own situation, it is now far more comfortable for me rather than to run back to my, my old ways of just, you know, firing up the computer and, and doing what I do, it's far more comfortable for me now when those things of temptations come to go find my wife and say, let's, let's go do something. Let's pray together. Let's do the, the new path is the path of which is, is comfortable because it's been traveled so often and it's been, it's, I've been led by people who knew that path. Well, yes. Yeah. And I'm glad you you brought that up too, is because one of the things I believed in my addiction before coming to Christ is that no one would understand me, that no one would understand the struggle that I had, that I was the only one going through these things and everybody else is just going through their own things. But what I didn't understand is that was a lie of the enemy isolating me from the many who are out there who have experienced what I've experienced and who have been brought, have come through that, you know, who have come out on the other side and have freedom in Christ. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. I was listening uh, to a Toby Sumter te- um, teaching uh, and he was talking about how to give your testimony. And he was, he was saying that, you know, we, we in our culture have this idea that maybe we don't, because in our past, we don't have anything, um, crazy to tell anybody that God has brought us from that. We think somehow our testimony isn't valuable. Right. But the problem is, is that the focus in the testimony is on self rather than what Christ did. Christ raised you from the dead which is a Amen. miracle, right? Absolutely. Whatever you went through in your past is, and that God brought you out of was only by a miracle of God. Whether you struggled right. with addiction, whether you grew up in a Christian home and were raised by Christian parents, you were still raised from the dead 
by Christ and your testimony is meant to bring glory to God, not to be some war story that you impress everybody about. about right. what, what he says is, you contributed your sin and God can and God raised you from the dead. So all you contributed right. was your sin and God did the rest. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. You know, there there's no such thing as a boring testimony. No. Because it's all about what Christ did. And that's always amazing. You know, what whatever the background was, I was thinking about it. I did a podcast yesterday on one of the my master's dog podcasts responding to one of the LDS videos about fasting. And this guy was talking about how they have their fast and testimony meeting ever the first Sunday of every month where, and he says, people get up to share their testimony of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, nobody gets up at those meetings and shares a testimony of Jesus Christ. It's all about the church and the prophet and, and this and that and what I'm doing and blah, 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 blah. That's a boring testimony when it is a testimony of Jesus Christ, of what he did, then it's an amazing, no matter what the, the context of you, the amazing thing is, is that Christ raised you from the dead. And so a, a true Christian testimony, Mormon testimonies aren't Christian, not that anybody needed to hear that, but if you needed to hear that, you needed to hear that. But <laughs> a true Christian testimony, it doesn't matter whether you're a Timothy and grew up in the church and had, you know, his, his mother and his grandmother who, who guided him. I, 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 that's a whole nother topic we can talk about yeah. another time, but Paul never mentions Timothy's father in that. Paul was his spiritual father. Or if you've got a testimony like Paul being knocked off your horse and struck blind on the way to Damascus by Christ himself, the reality comes back to the fact of what did Jesus do? Right. That's the core of the testimony. And if that's not the core of the testimony, then you don't have a testimony. You have a self-improvement story with uh, some kind of a, a religious thing sprinkled onto it, but it's not, it's not reality. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think about my children you know, and I think about the amazement of how God allowed them, gave them the grace to be raised in a Christian home in which they can be brought up with Christian thought, Christian morality, and the gospel preached to them constantly. That is a grace of God. That is beautiful. Amen. That is just as beautiful as the the homeless guy who lost everything he owned and God, somebody dropped a track on him one day and God took them from the street. Like right. it is what God has done. God placing my children in a Christian home and the blessing that comes from that. But still the, the, the regenerate heart is, is the working of Christ, you know, is, is the working of what, Christ has already done in raising in raising them to life or not. That testimony is just as amazing as the homeless guy who somebody dropped a track on him and one day became a millionaire. You know, like yep. it's about what God has done, not about the the war story, not about the I lost everything. And I mean, there there those testimonies are great and specific 
to maybe those who have struggled in that position. But let's think about, uh, you know, the the man who who was raised in in the Christian home and went off and and walked off and and hearing the testimony of somebody else who was raised in a Christian home. Like it's all about what God has done and he he raises people to life through Amen. miracles. That is a miracle. The miracle that God still does is raises dead men to life, dead women to life. And that testimony, if Christ has done that in your life, that's amazing. Amen. You know? So share your testimony. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and we over, they, we have overcome the enemy by the word of our testimony, by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and share your testimony, whether yes. it's, whether you think it's boring or not, because if you're focused on the right thing, the fact that you know, we were dead in our sins and in our trespasses and made alive in Christ, that's the core of the testimony. And no matter what, no matter how you tell it, that's going to be an amazing, miraculous thing. Yeah. My desires aren't once what they were, right? My, my life is not once what it was. I was that at one point in time. And look how Christ has changed me, changed my desires. Look what he has given me. You know, for me, I was a criminal full time. Like that was my life. I had no desire to have a family. I had no desire to have a wife. I was just perfectly fine doing what I was doing. And then God changed my heart. And now today I'm a family man and I have children and a wife and uh, involved and I'm excited about doing ministry. Nothing else, you know, uh, work-wise excites me like like ministry now. And that never would have Amen. said that, you know, at one point that, in fact, that would have been one of the last things I ever said was I'm excited about serving God and, you know, dying to self to do abortion ministry and and going and getting insults and all kinds of things hurled at me. That I would have never right. said that. Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. It is it is the amazing thing that God does when He changes us and and causes us to He He gives us the desires of our heart. And it's not the desires that we used to have, but He changes those desires to godly desires. And that's what he does when he gives us, when we delight in the Lord, he gives us new desires that are pleasing to him, that are serving him, that, that we would normally never, ever consider right. would be the desires. You know, the things that I want to do now would nowhere near what I wanted to do 20 years ago before God saved me. Yes. And that's what we and can tell the addict, right? That's what we can tell the person who's addicted to whatever you you space, whatever fits in that space, is God changes the desires of your heart to where it's no longer a, oh, I got to, I got to get to my meeting today because I, I'm just, I'm just struggling today. Like there are those times, right? But that is not my walk today. My walk, uh, drugs are not even on my mind. In fact, the thinking of using drugs or alcohol for me uh, kind of makes me sick. Like when I think about the destruction right. of my life, where it was and what's going on today, 
I, I don't have like, hey, uh, what would today be like if I used, you know, like that is not even in my mind anymore. And it's not because of what I've done. It's because God has set me free. He's changed my heart. He's changed my desires. He's given me new desires. He's given me a new hope. He's given me a new future. And all the dead, the old dead me is is gone. It's that that desire is put away. Now, do I still have struggles with other things? Absolutely. But here's the thing is the struggles that I have are not purposeless struggles. And I have been set free from the bondage of those things. I've been set free from the condemnation of those things. As I continue to seek after Christ, I am being sanctified, made more like him. I will never be exactly like him until I die, till I see him and I'm with him. But my desires for, for idols are constantly being put to death. And there is no desire to use drugs anymore. Amen. So praise God for that. Absolutely. Well, brother, um, All right, man. if you have anything to add, um, I think we'll shut it down at, no. there at this. I just want to... That's a good stopping point. All right. I just want to say thank you to everyone uh, who's tuning in. I want to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you're not currently a Patreon supporter, you can go to Reform Dads, or you can go to patreon.com slash reformdads. You can sign up. We have a book study going on right now. The book study is on Douglas, Douglas Wilson's Federal Husband. We're still in chapter one. If you want to join up with that, that's on. It's every other Wednesday. Um, make sure you like, subscribe, share these episodes with anybody you think would be encouraged by them. Um, but this has been your man, Dusty Marshall, and my brother, Norm, the master's dog, Dunham. Thanks for tuning yep, yep. in. And as we always say, Surely you need guidance to wage war, but victory is won through many advisors. God I don't understand, Amen. I don't understand. I'm running with the fam, yeah, I love the fam. And we gon' serve the one that's from up above. And they gon' know it's us by the way we love. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. All my brothers and sisters and all my mothers and fathers. And we gon' worship the Father and we gon' drown in this water. Family, family, family. Christ died one time for my whole family. Family, family, family. Christ died one time.